imagine you just, you know, you had this like big dream and then you built it. Yeah. And then it's like, now what? And so that we would go back and that was my skill set. that now what right after the now what, and you figure out, Oh my gosh, this is the next vision. And Oh my gosh, this is the next thing I'm going to do. That's the next mountain I'm going to climb. Welcome everybody to another week of funny business. This week I have with me, Jill McCabe from boom. You Jill, how you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you. So before we dive into exactly what Boom You is and what you've been doing there, I love to get to know our guests a little bit more. So where'd you grow up and what was your childhood like? I grew up in Toronto, Canada, downtown. Okay. Childhood was not a great time in my life, actually, Kent. So that was, yeah, not a great time in my life. Very lonely. Um, okay. I was an outsider sort of from the get-go in my life, raised by, wow, this is like getting to know you. <laughs> It's <laughs> like, why don't we just, can I say like, I, it was, it was, it was a hard time in my life. I actually, I really didn't start enjoying my life until I was an adult. I had a ment mentally ill father, two religions, uh, Jewish Catholic, <laughs> beautiful, um, but no, nobody got along with the family. So we were sort of isolated from both sides, dyslexic. So I didn't really fit in in school, grew up in an area with all boys. So I didn't even have any girlfriends had a mother who didn't believe in any female gender toys. So I didn't even ever have a doll. Wow. <laughs> I was like, what do you do with these things? Uh, when I grew up. So just like a very odd, always an outsider. How did that fuel you into what you do today? It fueled me because as an outsider, all you do is watch people. Mm. <laughs> You're like, gee, I wish I could be your friend. Which is essentially how life went for me. And I think so as an outsider, first of all, I think in probably in two ways. One, I had a mother who was very smart. So I'm the least successful of, as a child, I was the least successful of four kids. I had a older brother who was so brilliant. He submitted his master's degree and was from Canada and instantly got invited to be a US citizen. <laughs> they were just like, you're brilliant. He like created one of the first intelligent chess programs. So they were like, we'll take you. I had a sister look like Marilyn Monroe, who was like amazing at sports and music and whatever, would just get stopped in the street, just like, you're devastatingly beautiful. I had a brother scouted for professional sports, like winning, you know, championships. And then, you know, there was me, you know, I'd get C's on my report card and they'd be like, that's fine, dear. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was hard, it was really hard. So the way that fueled me, was that my mom was really clever. She said to me when I was young, she said, um, look, some people are good at school. Some people are good at life. You're going to be good at life. So I was like, cool. I just like let the years tick by. I went pretty soon life is going to happen. I'm going to be good at that. Mm. So that was really fortunate. I think another thing is I created, uh, I really watched people because I was often alone. And so I'd watch people and really, I'd want to be friends with them. So I would watch people with compassion. And then I think the other thing is I just had so many bad things happen to me that when people come to work with me, there's always stuff to sort of get over. And I'm like, oh, I've probably gotten over it. Maybe I can help you with that. Yeah. So that plus a whole lot of stuff has helped me be very sensitive to what other, you know, things that have happened to other people. Okay. Now let's, let's dive into boom you and exactly what it is. So you're saying you, you're wanting to help other people. How does boom you do that? Just rewinding from boom you a little bit, because the motivation behind boom you might explain it. So I was uh, working in change leadership for a while. I was a consultant. I did change leadership. I'd go into organizations that were minimum sort of like 10 million. They'd already been successful, like 10 to 40 million. 
been to even 60 million, I think. And they'd already been successful. And it was sort of time, like they've already climbed that first mountain, so to speak. And they were like, what's next? Mm. So I got really good at solving that what's next problem in organizations. And while I did that, how I did that was we would go in, work with the leaders, create vision and strategy. So that was my expertise, creating vision and strategy for organizations, starting with the leaders, like what, what's in their heart next? Like, you imagine you just, you know, you had this like big dream and then you built it. Yeah. And then it's like, now what? And so that we would go back and that was my skill set. that now what? Right after the now what? And you figure out, oh my gosh, this is the next vision. And oh my gosh, this is the next thing I'm going to do. That's the next mountain I'm going to climb. At that point, usually an organization needs this retooling of skills because now mm-hmm. you've got, you know, the leadership speak is now you've got, let's say, you know, a hundred people sort of going west and you're like, we'd like to go north now. And the organization's like, oh, not on our watch, you know? So my skill set was performance skills. I would come in, teach communication, change leadership, how to achieve projects, how to change all of that. And I realized at one point that why aren't we using these powerful skills? Like if you can get 100 to 300 people to change their behavior, why aren't we using these powerful techniques from organizations on ourselves? And I later learned the reason that we're not is because there's no money in it. Like just to be really blunt, you if you go sell this to an organization, they'll pay you big bucks to learn this stuff. Right. You try to sell this to individuals, they're like, eh, I'm not important enough. You know, <laughs> like I, I don't pay for that kind of thing. There just isn't money in it. So yeah. boom you, the motivation was really to create programs for people who were at this phase in their lives and to make and to make that work, right? To really say there's this amazing knowledge and science and art of like. How do you figure out that next thing to really fully express yourself in your life? And I didn't see it coming into everyday people's lives very effectively. And that's why I opened Boom You. So kind of going along those lines, it feels like you were very good at being able to identify where people can always improve. And in life, there's always, there's always somebody else that's doing what we're doing just a little bit better. And I feel like there's always a ton that we can learn from those other people. Yeah. And we all know the, the, the phrase that, that good artists create on their own or, or they borrow, but great artists steal. Yes. So my question is, is what did you steal for your business and how did you put your own spin on it? I stole everything. <laughs> okay. What's the next question? No. Okay. So... <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. No, so I actually did. So I was saying, obviously, funny business. So I needed, I need to know the answer to that. I, I actually made some mistakes in what I stole along the way, and I made some good decisions. So we, of course, are standing on the shoulders of giants. So I think that what really makes you know everybody and anybody successful is the ability to steal and integrate. Okay. So what did I steal? I mean, I I stole from my coach yesterday. You know, mm. like my coach put me on a new kind of program and I went, oh, it's a really good program. <laughs> and I instantly used that for my own organization. I offered it to some of my more senior clients and they were like, yeah, this is super cool. I love it. So I think what you want to steal is structure. Okay. For the longest time I was in business and I was just doing like programs and then I'd go, bye. Like at the end of the program, I'd be like, super great working with you. Have an awesome life. Bye. Right. And I would never offer them a mastermind afterwards, or I would never offer them a membership afterwards. 
And then really, and then I took like one of the most expensive programs of my life. Like to this day, I'm like, I can't believe I spent that money on such an amazing coach. And when I did, they offered me a mastermind afterwards. And most of the masterminds or the things afterwards were like 49 bucks and like, you know, whatever. And I signed up with a coach that asked for a jaw dropping amount of money a month. I, I was like, okay. I cannot believe I'm doing this. Right. And yet I turned around and I offered not that much money, but I offered a high value product to my community and they loved it. Mm. They absolutely were like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is so good. And they and and they took me up on like 80% of people who worked with me in a program would continue working with me. They'd be like, oh, value is totally there. And I never saw that. So that's why I like to say I, I still structure. I mm. see something working for someone else you put your own personality in it you know you put your whole lifetime of experience in it and even when I teach others and they're like wow this is brilliant this is amazing and I'm like eventually this will be the floor you stand on right don't ever let this be what you're aspiring to absolutely you've you've piqued my interest uh, in saying that they've they've gotten so much value out of it you don't mind uh, sharing just a little bit more about what that offer is my my kind of entry point into boom you is usually helping people find their thing okay finding finding people's thing is my thing okay so that's like and really what you're sort of calling on the earth is i'm it took me 8 years to figure out how to do that and i actually found kind of a scientific method of doing that. I think I talked to Keith about that in Poop to Gold podcast. It it took a really long time for me to figure that out. I really wanted that for myself and I couldn't figure it out. Like I had been hit by a car and at 40 lost everything. And at that point I was like, life has to mean more than this, but what? And it was like, I couldn't answer the question. And so I was taking jobs and doing whatever, but somehow feeling like I was in the wrong life. And I was like, okay, so how do I find the right life? Actually, it took me eight years to figure that out. And then when I did, it was amazing how quickly, because I, I mean, my background was in building businesses. And once I did, it was amazing how quickly I could put that together. So mm. when I work with people, I work with accomplished, talented people. So who I, can't, who I don't help, I don't help people who are just figuring things out for the first time. That's not the, you know, I'm not the right person. I'm the person who's like, oh my God, I have this lifetime of skills. I've done so much, but I'm feeling a little empty. What do I do with all this? Mm. That is actually a journey that starts by going inside. That is not something I've ever figured out how to find going traveling, which is good during COVID. You can do all this, like, but it actually comes with some guided reflection. This is what I used to do with CEOs and you, you really discover who you are. And then you can take that and externalize it. And, and really, if you once you figure out who you are on the planet, mm. the flip side of that, it's almost like the flip side of a coin. The flip side of that is your vision. So once you figure out who you are, your vision becomes, well, in 10 years, I want this for other people. So yeah. a lot of things that people get wrong about their purpose is when people come to work with me, they're, they're, they usually say, my purpose is empowering others. Okay. So it's something like that. And it's like, they usually don't sound like that. And so what I I kind of know that it's not quite right, because there's usually this beautiful spark or magic to it, but there's always going to be some element of your purpose that's really distinctive, but your purpose is always the thing you had to figure out for yourself. So Mm -hmm. it's literally the hardest thing you ever had to do. And then you help others with it. So it's usually, it's like the, the, you know, and people talk about, oh, like, 
uh, it's like it's it's dampened usually in almost everybody's childhood. And so we've all learned to suppress that part of ourselves because it's the thing that made us different and stick out, which was terrible during childhood. It's like, don't you dare. <laughs> you ever seen uh, Arrested Development? Oh, I love that show. Yeah. So it's like, you know, that school where, you know, children are to be like not heard. Yes. <laughs> like, faster, like, but not heard. <laughs> <laughs> so it's kind of like, you know, believe it or not, that's happening on a pretty large scale. It might not be as off, you know, as humorous as that, but that's really taken from kind of like, don't stand out, don't outshine people, don't, don't, don't. Yeah. And oftentimes that causes someone's like gold to get kind of buried. So I'm good at pulling that out. And then once we pull that out, I'm good at business design. So we design a business that actually brings that through the business. That makes it very inspiring. Awesome. And that seems like that could be really labor intensive. <laughs> so how, how do you achieve efficiency with all of that? How do you stay on like the, the cutting edge of what you do? So how I achieve efficiency is uh, I, I record everything. Mm. That I, I need to say twice. And then I only meet people when it's like, those are the value that I add. I also use a cohort-based model, a small group cohort-based model, where we do mastermind type learning. And I also make sure that everybody in a program is like of the same ilk. So they really fit together. Like they have... Um, they're, they're all usually impressed by, let me just say, like in my groups, people are like, oh, you're cool. <laughs> you're cool. No, you're cool. So there's a little bit of a love fest that goes on between them. So there's, sure. so I'm also, I'm not the only brilliant person in the room, right? So there's a room full of really capable people. And then, oh yeah, by the way, my skill set is the design of the business. So a lot of it can be taught in video, but I do, that's the big difference with Boom You. Everything is a blended program and everybody gets personal attention because mm. without it, I don't see the results happening. I don't know that I stay at the top. I mean, honestly, but I'll tell you, I did something cool. So my first business was um, a restaurant. Okay. I opened a restaurant when I was 30 and it, we became internationally famous. And if you have ever had a chef's tasting menu, we brought that to North America. Huh. And so the reason we were internationally famous is the concept of a chef cooking for you and you not know what you're getting with wines paired. We introduced that concept. We were huh. cutting edge. And what I have learned about that is that, you know, the question I answer is, do I want this? And so, you know, I, you know how I said I stole, like I still structure from competition. I'm like, how do they structure this? What, what I learned not to steal was emails. I learned not to steal messaging. I learned not to steal anything like that. And that all has to come from my heart. You really, I'm a very, unusual person and I'm trying to contain that right now <laughs> but it's hard with my clients it's like oh my god they call me feisty Friday because on my Friday calls I'm like blah, blah, blah. like I'm going crazy <laughs> and I think it's really important to be yourself completely in business so how I stay cutting edge if I'm even cutting edge but let's say I am is by trusting my instincts and here's the thing to be cutting edge means you have an idea that nobody else is doing and so therefore there's no validation whatsoever for this idea. And it's like, but do I think it's cool? Right. And so what happens to me is like the book I wrote, it's go time. I was told not to write that book too much in a book. 
And yet the people who read it are like five star reviews. Oh my God, that changed my life. Best business book I ever read. So, and I was told by everyone, like, don't write that book. Don't write that book. Boom you. Don't have boom you. Don't do that. It just needs to be Jill McCabe. You're vivacious and da, 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 da. And every bit of advice was telling me not to do that. And I'm like, but I was almost killed by a car. And this information changes people's lives. I don't want this to be about me. I want it to be something that can carry on without me. So, you know, Sometimes it's just about following your heart, even if that is a mistake that you end up making. It's like, how are you going to find out? So I think the only only way to be cutting edge is to be willing to make mistakes. Uh, I think that that, oh, that ties in so well. Uh, your your journey just sounds absolutely fascinating. So if you could tell one thing to yourself when you were going through college, oh boy. what would be the like the best piece of advice, the best piece of business advice, other than like invest in Google back in the day. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. You have said to yourself. I should have invested in Zoom, first of all, because I was on Zoom before, when you used to have to say Zoom. It's like Skype, but better. So that's, uh, I wish I would have done that. No, my best piece of advice would have actually been who I got advice from. Uh -huh. I have seen this happen over and over. I see it happen with my clients. I used to do it myself. But asking advice of people who have not achieved what you want to achieve or who believe in yourself more than you believe in you. So if they believe in you more than you believe in you, you can ask them, but then they should really direct you. But armchair, I can't tell you how many people like, I have a client who's a chef and he has this like high touch, like coaching program where he like, he treats it like he works with a lot of guys who really like the technique and really, and they're like, raise the elbow and do this. Like he treats it like a sports thing. And it's so fun. And people like people are giving him advice, like check out masterclass. I'm like, totally different clientele. Like you don't know what you're talking about. And so the problem is we go to these armchair experts for advice. Like even in my business, if I want to hire an advertiser, I need to hire someone who has sold, you know, really high touch, curated, careful education programs for businesses. I can't go to someone who's like, Oh, my background is in selling, you know, pens from China. It's like, mm, it's a different skill set. It's a different skill set. So I think we ask the wrong people for advice. And I think mm -hmm. we need to be very, very careful who we're asking for advice. Have they achieved what you want to achieve? So what is the, the biggest challenge in business that you've overcome to date? Oh, well, I mean, obviously me, right? So, um, because I'm so smart. I try to DIY everything. Mm. Yeah, I, I learned, I, I got schooled. I got schooled. I don't do that anymore. I pay good people for great skills. You know, I think it's so, it's so fun. I think the biggest challenge was being when I used to go in and help organizations change. I spent their money like, don't, this is what you have to do and blah, 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 blah. And then it worked and they got returns. But when it came to me, I was like, penny pinching and figuring out how to do everything on my own. And it was so ridiculous. And when I started investing in good people, I made some mistakes. And so I learned the, le I, I, or tried to hire people. I hired mm. the wrong people. So the lesson was don't hire people anymore. Not no, look for the right people. So yeah. when I finally learned that and stopped DIYing, um, hire people who are good at what they do and pay them their value. And so I, I now hire people and, um, I hope someone I'm hiring is not watching this, but we'll see. I, I will say, you know, how much will make you feel valued? 
and they say this much. And I'm like, great, that's what you earn. And if the work's not there, then fine, we don't work together. But I want everyone to feel valued. <laughs> so yeah. I think I'm the only person I know who hires people that way. And that's maybe not, I have a master's in leadership. So I'm all like, you know, kumbaya about that kind of stuff. But I actually think like, yeah, the work has to be there. And my team knows like I demand work, but I also am not going to penny pinch for that. And when you start treating people and giving them their value, it's amazing what happens. I have a contractor doing some stuff for me right now. Didn't haggle with him at all. He even suggested I should. And I said, no, what I care about is being on time and this and this and this. I want you to make what you asked. He's like, Mm. oh, okay. (laughs) That is not a very common approach to hiring. No, but I'm a lead. I have a master's in leadership and I also have, I'm I'm also demanding. I'm also going to say like, I want the work. I'm not going to pay for substandard work, but I'm I'm not, yeah. And if I can't afford it, I'll say so. But I think it's really important. I know what's going to make someone feel valued. So that's what you overcome over the lifetime. What's the biggest thing that you're being challenged with now? I think the biggest thing that I'm being challenged with now is preparing for scaling. Mm. So we have a really we have really good um, programs. We have amazing feedback on them. We're having great experiences. I'm growing the team. We're growing programs. And the ideas are fast and furious. And then they take so long to put into the wash. So I think one of the biggest challenges is, you know, just probably all entrepreneurs have this is we're creative people by nature. We want to create things by nature, but then the world has to catch up to our brains. So I think that that's one of my big challenges, but more tangibly, it would be just preparing to scale, making on, on a couple of levels. One, it's about making sure your ad, you know, process works. But two, it's also making sure that you can maintain the standards of your organization as you grow. So right now, that's why we're training people and getting things organized and systems and operating procedures and workflows so that we can handle a growing capacity. That's what I'm facing right now. You've already talked about who your ideal client is, somebody who's already really good at what they do. They just want to take it to the next level. Uh, For those kinds of people, what should be their first steps in getting in contact with you? And where can they learn more about what you do? Yeah, if you're good at what you do and want to take it to the next level, or you're good at what you do, but you're not loving what you're doing anymore, <laughs> you're like, I really need to figure out that next thing. I think the first step would be to check out my book because you can grab a PDF copy of it on from my website. And I think you'll learn pretty quickly if you resonate with me my 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 approach i teach a model for business growth i mean i think people read it and they sort of know right away if it's like we're going to be a match and then you you check it out and if we're a match then get in touch and see how we can help and what's the website website uh url is www.jillmccabe.com j-i-l-l-m-c-a-b-e just one c.com and um there's like pop-ups it's pretty easy to find the book Sweet. Awesome. Well, Jill, thank you so much for your time today. And for all of you at home, please like and share this with your friends and uh, subscribe as well. Hopefully you've gotten just another little nugget for your business that you can apply. But yeah, we'll see you next week. This isn't surface level stuff here.
You'll find courses on ad buying. Creating the kind of large production ads we're known for. If you're looking to use video marketing to take your business to the next level, our students have seen incredible growth in their businesses by implementing what they learned in our courses. We've now got multiple campaigns that are in the millions of views and in the multiple millions of dollars in sales. Within a week, we're close to 10 million views, over a million in sales, and most impressively, we've covered 100% of the production costs in the first 24 hours of releasing it. The first video we did is over 30 million views. The most customers that we've ever acquired in a single month. I think we had about 26,000 new customers.